Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is May 9th, 2019. 118 days to kick off. Tomorrow is rookie mini camp. I was going to mention that. You jumped a gun, beat me to it. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about Jameis Winston and his uh, golf outing a little bit. Day of service at Pinellas Park. The signing of some players. Rookie minicamp over the weekend. Some more Devin White stuff. But first, I want to get to uh, follow-ups and fact checks. First follow-up. Molly had asked if Rick Stroud, who was a beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Times on the Buccaneers, had been covering the Bucks during Gruden's tenure. Yes, he has been covering the Bucks since at least 1997 with the St. Petersburg Times. That's the farthest I could find an article by him. His profile in the Tampa Bay Times says that he started covering the Bucks the last year of Ray Perkins coaching the Bucks. That was in 1990. He's been there. He's been covering the Bucks for a long, long time. That, that would probably make him about the longest tenured reporter covering the Bucks, I think. Also, his profile says that he can uh, sound like John Gruden's voice. <laughs> so that's the only impression he can do. Now, he does a few other ones that okay. I heard, but that John Gruden is spot on. He had quite a few years to work on that, I'm sure. I had no idea that he has been around that long. I was still in diapers. And I'm robbing the crowd. <laughs> Another follow-up. I had said Sue, the Monica Sue, had been on three or four teams and had all gone to the playoffs. Well, I was correct. Sue has been in the league for nine years, same as Jerry McCoy, and he's been to the playoffs four of those nine years. He went two years with his stint in Detroit, one year while at Miami, and to the Super Bowl last year with the Rams. He's been with three teams total, which brought an interesting idea up to me. I wanted to look and see what their numbers were like, the difference between Sue and McCoy. Sue and McCoy's stats are comparable, but the number of things stand out. First, they both have about the same number of sacks. Sue has 56, and McCoy has 54 and a half. Now, defensive tackles, that's not their job is to sack. So, so about, we've heard. Right. Well, it's not really a good metric for... Defensive tackles, but it is a metric. Now, McCoy has been to six Pro Bowls. Sue has been to five. However... Sue's not very likable, I think. Yes, he doesn't have the, the popularity contest winning. Right. So McCoy's got him on that. So McCoy's got him on the popularity contest. Uh, Sue has been nominated to three first-team All-Pro, while McCoy has only been nominated for one. Tackles for a loss, McCoy has 79. Sue, however, has 107. That's a pretty good measure because that's, what, that's kind of their job yes. is to run stop. Yes, defensive tackles can be measured by tackles for a loss more than quarterback sacks. Is is 30 that significant over nine years? Yes. So like three more a year Sue has? Is that my math? That's <laughs> your is math. my math right? <laughs> Uh, Sue has been on the NFL Top 100 every year. Again, that's another popularity contest. Yeah. McCoy has only gotten on the list five times. Sue has also gotten 2010's NFL AP Defensive Rookie of the Year and 2010's NFL All-Rookie Team. McCoy did not. McCoy has 296 combined tackles with 218 solo tackles, while Sue has 481 tackles Whoa. with 325 solo. That's a Big, big difference. That's a huge difference. Yes. Quarterback hits, McCoy has 140. Sue has 166. Sue also has one interception, one fumble return for a touchdown, and one safety. Wow. McCoy has no interceptions, no touchdowns, no safeties. None? None. He's never even, like, fallen on a ball in the end zone? Nope. I would think at one point that would 
occur. You would think. Now, if you look at Warren Sapp's record, his his blows both of these guys away. Warren Sapp had quite a few touchdowns, interceptions, safeties. He was just a monster. But it really does. I mean, if you just look at the stats, you got to say Sue's the better player. It, but taking teams to the playoffs, or at least going to teams that go to the playoffs, to me, that's the big one. That's what everybody cares about. I don't care if you get 4,000 sacks in a season. If your team doesn't go to the playoffs, you ain't doing nothing. It gives you that winning mentality. Right. Because, saying I always say, our reality is what we focus on. And if you focus on losing or focus on not winning, you're going to lose. But if, if you have the mindset of a winner, you're going to win more often than not. I mean, if the playoffs or the championship or the Super Bowl, if that's your bar... I mean, you just have high expectations, and that's, you know, you have an end goal in sight. You've been there. You know what it's like. You know what it takes to get there. Yes. And, you know, I have the Ouija board theory. Uh, Molly's familiar with it because I talk about it all the time to her. But just to touch on it a little bit, when you think of things, that our body does things subconsciously. We don't think about it. Almost everything we do all day is not something we've decided to do. It's not something we've taken a conscious effort to do. It's habit or uh, subconscious things. And the Ouija board is all on subconscious things. You know, little micro movements moves the piece across the board. Well, if you think a certain way, you're going to do little micro movements to force reality to go in that direction. That's why successful people generally, they don't think of themselves as losers. They never have. They've always seen themselves as winners. Successful people even before they were successful people. They've seen themselves in that position, and so they've done a bunch of things consciously to get there, but also subconsciously to get there. And I think when you end up on a team that loses, and it's like the Browns. You end up on a team that loses, it loses, it loses, and the fan base is expecting you to lose. The whole nation is expecting you to lose. I think it's extremely difficult to get out of that. That's one of the things where I credit Tony Dungy for with the Buccaneers, as well as Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and all those guys, was they really yanked Tampa Bay and the Buccaneers out of that hole. And that's a hard, hard thing to do. I think we're kind of in that hole now. Yes, very much so. Everybody, I mean, if you listen to everybody from the national media all the way down to the guy at the bar wearing a Buccaneers hat, how they think the Buccaneers are going to do this year, you rarely get anybody that says over 8-8. Eight and eight. I know. I'm really surprised by that, especially given how much hype there is with this new coaching staff. A lot of people are happy about the hire. They love Bruce Arians. They're happy about the draft, all of that. And they're still extremely conservative when it comes to how they think we're going to do this season. Which is really amazing to me because we had a blazingly good offense when Cutter was here. And this offense is going to be basically the same but better. So we're going to do better offensively. Now we've got a defense. If our defense would have just been average last year, we would have won five more games. You know, our defense was just so bad that the offense could not overcome our defense. If our defense is just average this year and our offense plays to their potential, or at least as good as they did last year, which I think they're going to play a lot better, our offensive line is going to be a lot better this year, and our running game is going to be a lot better this year. You know, that's why I'm not scared to say it all. We're, we're easily 10-6. and six. Easy. But you got to have that mentality to get there. You can't see yourself or your team as a loser and they get to 10 and 6. It's just not going to happen. And that's a problem that I might see, would say, is an issue with Gerald McCoy. He's been on the team so long and it's been nothing but losing that it might be better for him and the team to go somewhere else. 
You know, he needs to go somewhere where they do have a winning mentality, not Cleveland, <laughs> but you know, somewhere where there's he's surrounded by winners. And we need to start maybe thinking about ejecting some of these guys that have been here for so long and have that losing mentality. They just expect to lose. And they're okay with losing. It's like we talked about that last game with Rondé where we had the chance to go to the playoffs and didn't, and he just looks so upset. Yes, Rondé never was okay with losing. devastated. And we don't have any guys like that on the team, I think. Not that I've seen. JPP. Yeah, but the, the stakes have really never been that high. I mean, we've always been out of the playoffs pretty early in the season or... This is true. There's always been that expectation that, eh, we're not going to get there, so... Yeah, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Or we're just going to collapse or whatever. And when you think that away, what you focus on becomes reality. And if the team is thinking that away, I mean, we know the fans are. That doesn't help. But if the team's thinking that away, there's no way they're going to win. No way. And, of course, as we've seen, it becomes reality. So we need to start focus on success here with the Buccaneers. We're going to win. We are going to be at the top of the division. We're going to be fighting it out with the Saints, most likely. And we're just going to curb stomp them. And we're going to the playoffs this year. Mark my words. <laughs> Read my lips. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's if uh, Jameis Winston doesn't get his head knocked off by a golf club. I can't believe this. You know, he. we talk about Jameis Winston as goofy. This has had to have been one of the goofiest things I've ever seen. Larry Brown Sports posted a video and a commentary showing Jameis Winston volunteering for a trick shot golf swing at a charity tournament event. I think it was Derek Brooks's charity tournament event. And so he puts on this helmet. It looks like a bicycle helmet with a T on top of it. And did you see this, Molly? Yeah. Okay. I saw it. And he, he's got a golf ball up there. And then this guy, who is a, a professional trick shot artist, but still, knocks a damn golf ball off his head. A full swing. I mean, he takes a full swing at this thing like he's driving it down range. If he would have hit Winston in the head, that would have been a concussion. I'm sorry. So you think it was dumb? I think it was very dumb. <laughs> very, very dumb. I just think it's ridiculous, the whole people making an issue on that. I don't know, man. I mean, you got to you gotta think. you got the franchise on your back here. you got a brand new coach. you got a brand new system. you got to learn all that good stuff, and you're going to let a guy swing a golf club at your head? He has taken harder hits than that. Well, he shouldn't be season. doing that. I don't appreciate him doing that either. Well, you know what? He got... Four months to recover from it before the season starts. <laughs> Golf club upside the head, helmet or no helmet, might not might not be recoverable. I don't know. I thought it was silly. He should not be doing stuff like that. I don't know what these guys think. If I was making, heck, if I was making a half a million dollars a year doing a physical activity, the last thing I would do during my off hours would be something to possibly hurt myself. Just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe, but... You can't protect yourself from everything. I mean, look at JPP. Look at Kendall Beckwith riding in a freaking car. But you don't have to put yourself directly in the line of fire of something. <laughs> and that's what he did. It's so ridiculous. We'll have to do a head-to-head -head on that one. It's a new series we're going to do on the website. Head-to-head. -head. We're going to choose a topic, and me and Molly are going to go at it. We're going to write articles, and we're going to do it on the podcast as well. Our first head-to-head -head is going to be on Jared McCoy. We're flipping coins to see who gets pros and con. I ended up getting pros. Molly has gotten con. Why we should not keep Gerald McCoy. I have why we should keep Gerald McCoy. So keep an eye out for that article, and we're going to do a podcast on it as well. So maybe we should throw the Jameis Winston getting hit in the head with a golf club. We're also going to do the ping pong table. Yeah, we got the ping pong table lined up, too. We got a good stable of them. <laughs> ping pong tables are things to argue about. Things to argue about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today, the Buccaneers announced that they had signed five of the eight players they selected in the draft. 
Uh, Second-round quarterback Sean Murphy Bunting. Why, why did he change his name like that? Why didn't he just stick with Bunting? Fourth-round defensive end Anthony Nelson. Fifth-round kicker Matt Gay. Sixth-round wide receiver Scotty Miller. And seventh-round defensive end Terry Beckner. All four got four-year deals, as is mandated by the CBA. And because of the CBA, they don't make big salary. Most of these guys aren't even going to count against the top 51 for the salary cap. Yeah. I mean, they're making, like, league minimum, maybe somewhere upwards of 800000 Bunting might make. I don't know. But it's not a lot. Devin White, however, has not been signed yet. Right. So it's Devin White, cornerback Jamel Dean, and safety Mike Edwards. They have not been signed yet. Yeah, they're going to cost a little bit more. Yeah, we don't have the cap space right now. They can still come to rookie minicamp, though. Yeah, speaking of which, rookie minicamp is this weekend. Uh, practices are scheduled for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The media will be there, and we'll be able to attend it. So we're going to get a whole bunch of information this weekend. Greg Allman said he doesn't know if they'll be able to tweet there, but there will be information when they're leaving, after they leave. Yes, and we have, I think, 28 walk-on tryouts including Vinny Testaverde's son. And there's another former player's son. I forget who it is. They all arrived at the Advent Health Training Center today uh, for their initial meeting and for the signing of their contracts and whatnot. Anthony Nelson, they're listing as outside linebacker, not defensive end. Interesting. Devin White's wearing number 45, not number 41, as initially reported. They, the Buccaneers put up a uh, picture of him standing there in 45. That's going to be interesting with him and Levante David standing next to each other. It's going to be a mirror image, 45 and 54. I wonder if they did that on purpose. That's why they did it. It's going to be pretty neat. And they also had a video up of him putting on his helmet, trying helmets on in the locker room or the equipment room. So that was pretty interesting. I bet we're going to get all kinds of good stuff from there this weekend. It's very exciting. Tomorrow, Friday... Uh, the Bucks are having day of service where they're having players, cheerleaders, and 150-plus staffers on hand volunteering for it. Uh, that's at the Boys and Girls Club of the Sun Coast at Pinellas Park. I'm assuming that's open to the public. Don't know. But it would be a good chance to go and meet some of the people. Molly did some of the coaching interviews again. These were not as exciting. These were a little more boring. And I don't know how that happened. You watched Todd Bowles, didn't you? I did. <laughs> He's boring. <laughs> and there were some other guys that were really boring. Keith Armstrong. I mean, he was okay. Rick Christoffel. He was okay. Tom Bowles. A little boring. I did watch Meryl, the strength and conditioning. I don't know. She's on the strength and conditioning staff. I can't remember what her position is. Did you touch on her interview a few podcasts ago? You haven't covered it, though. I don't think so. I know you We didn't talk it. about it. Okay. Well, you and I talked about it before the podcast, but that was the one we were running over, so I didn't get to it. Okay. She was super uncomfortable in front of the camera. Yeah, you said that. She did not want to talk about this being is, a woman. This is probably her first time doing pressers. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely a little green around the gills as far as being in front of a camera and answering questions like that. So what Keith Armstrong had to say? He's our... Special teams coach, right? He talked a lot about creating competition. That's them bringing in all these kickers, and they want to make each other better. And How many so, kickers do we have on staff I now? can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I know at least two. Right. He said Will Golston has a history of blocking kicks. I didn't know this about him. I, I The way that he talked about Golston, we're not cutting him to make cap room. Like, we... There were a lot of fans who, in doing the numbers with trying to keep Gerald McCoy. Yeah, Golston always seemed yeah, to be Yeah, Golston was always ones. on the chopping block for mm-hmm. them. But they like him on special teams. He's not going anywhere, I don't think. 
Keith Armstrong said that he had lost some weight to play in the 4-3, and now they're asking him to put a little bit of weight back on. Yeah, what did he say? Put some rocks in his pocket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. And uh, they like him for blocking kicks. Now, remember us, we, we talked about how Golston has this weight fluctuation thing. Yeah. You know, he's gone up and down 20 pounds like three times since he's been with the Buccaneers. That's got to be hard on your body. I don't know. Ask some wrestlers. Yeah. Rick Christoffel, he's the tight ends coach. Right. All I got from him was that he's known BA since 1988. <laughs> wow. How'd he know him? I don't remember. Probably Temple once when he was at Temple. What well, Todd Bowles had to say it was interesting. He said he actually, they asked about the corners why we drafted so many defensive backs. And he said he can't have enough corners. We can't have enough enough depth. And a lot of the issues we had in the secondary last year were injury-related. The They want more speed in the secondary because of the way that the rules have changed, the offenses have changed. They just want fast guys back there. So that was part of the reason for their drafting. Now, it was one of the Joes asked Todd, when you looked on tape and saw our quarterbacks from last year, you know, is that why you started, why you were drafting? Not going to swear that was Jen Elena. No, no, it was not. It was one of the Joes. Um, was it that you're just not happy with who you have back there? And so that's why you went really defensive back heavy in the draft. And he, you know, of course, he said we, we can't have enough corners, but it got me thinking, you know, we keep harping on, what they've seen on the tape from last year. A few of the journalists keep asking that. They keep saying, oh, what did you see from the offensive line next year that they need to improve on? Or are you moving this guy because you didn't like what you saw on tape? Or, you know, that kind of thing. Is he going to get cut because of how he performed last year? And this coaching staff has indicated they're not looking at the tape to see what people are doing wrong. They're looking at the tape to see what they can do. And... Just the way that the media is approaching it, but I think also the fan base is approaching it. It's just from a really negative perspective. And I don't mean to say that that the fan base is pessimistic. I mean, they are pessimistic, but not that they're outright looking for... Somebody to blame. They're looking for somebody to blame. We want an explanation as to why the team has been so bad for so long. And we want to punish them. <laughs> well, it's like what Ralph brought up about the ping pong table last episode, that it's about punishment. And then it got me thinking, these questions that are being asked, it's just, we're, oh, they're looking for someone to blame. Is this coaching? Was it a coaching issue? Right. Is it these cornerbacks? Were they not good enough? Is yeah. Is trying to replace them? Yeah. Do we have, not have enough talent? Or was it that... The draft talent wasn't that great. The talent that we did acquire, right. was it just not what it should have been? So, you know, that's on Jason Light. Is it that the owners aren't spending enough money? Like, we've been looking for years for someone to blame for how bad the team is. And it's what we've touched on before, where sometimes people approach it like fantasy football. Oh, our secondary was bad. So all you have to do is go and get the top defensive back in the league, and that's going to solve all our problems. But it's you just can't pinpoint it. It's never just one issue. No, it never is. And I really like the coaching staff's approach to this, that, no, we're not looking to see what people did wrong. 
Right. That's not what we're focused on. We're focused on moving forward. Focus on what they can do. Right. Not what they've done wrong or what they can't right. do. Right. They're failures of the past. Yeah. As Bucks fans, we have all of our past experiences, the past performance of the team. That's what's in our mind. Right. And this coaching staff hasn't been here for all that. So they don't see it. And I don't think they really care because it's not relevant to them. It's relevant to us, but it's not relevant to them. And I think as fans, we really need to move forward. We need to look forward. We need to look at the future, live in the present, not harp on the past. Yes, and especially not the negative aspects, the failures. Because if you read Dan and Heath, Dan and Chip Heath's book, Switch, they talk about bright spots. We have a tendency as humans, we look at the bad in everything. It's like if you... If you go to a grocery store and you get treated badly, you're 12 times more likely to write a letter to the company expressing your displeasure than if you go to the grocery store and you're treated very well. You very rarely are going to write a letter to the company saying, hey, I was treated very well. But if they treat you bad, you're going to write that letter. We look at the negatives in everything. We look at failure. And we, with the Buccaneers, we've had a long history of failure. And so we're looking at everybody in that aspect. I think this new coaching staff is coming in, and they're going, no, we're going to look at the positives. We're going to look at what these players can do. And build on that. And build on that. And that's what successful people do and successful companies. You know, they focus on what you can do, the bright spots. I definitely think it's a refreshing perspective on the team and we've I don't know that we've ever seen that. No, no, never have. Uh, the coaching staff that we've had in the past, they come in and they go, okay, let's fix the areas right, where we were deficient. Let's fix the problem. Let's yeah. fix the problem. They're focusing on the problem. Yeah. I mean, what you focus on becomes reality. If, you, if you're thinking about the problems, that's going to become your reality. Problems. You can't, you cannot, even the New England Patriots do not have a perfectly well-rounded football team. And every year their team is different. Different players, different schemes, different coaches. So you can't, we cannot expect the Buccaneers to have an all-star defensive line, uh, top cornerbacks, the best safeties in the league, the number one linebackers core, the best offensive line, you know, the, the MVP quarterback, and all the wide receivers are Mike Evans. You just can't expect that. It's ridiculous to think that way. And, he, and people go, oh, our offensive line, we've got a huge hole at the right guard. No, we don't. No, we don't. We've got Caleb Benenock, who... You know, he was a right tackle before we threw him in guard. He only got to play a quarter of the season because he was subbing in with Evans every game. He'd play, half, he'd play a quarter. Evans would come in and play a quarter. Evan Smith? Evan Smith, yeah, I always do that. <laughs> Evan, you always correct me. Thank you. Uh, Evan Smith would come in and play a quarter. Ben and I could play a quarter. And it went that away until Evan Smith got hurt. And then he started doing it with Kappa. Ben and I could come in for a quarter. Kappa would come in for a quarter. Beninock, you know, just back and forth. So Beninock really never got the chance to develop at right guard, but he did get the experience. And like I said, towards the end of the year, I thought he was playing very well. And he was definitely getting vicious. Yeah, more aggressive. Kappa did not play that bad. He could fill in. And now we've got Wartford. You know, he's a, he was a backup in Arizona. I, there's not a whole lot of game film on him, but I assume he's going to be. The, so we've got bodies to plug in that hole. Are they going to be? Pro bowlers and all-stars and all that good stuff? Probably not. But you just have to work around that. You know, see the positive in it. You know, these guys are young, they're fresh, and they're not going to have to do all the silly stuff that Warhop had them doing last <laughs> year. And that whole rotating offensive lineman, that was just that was just very strange. But I guess he wanted 
both Kappa and Pennock and Evans to get reps in there. I don't know what what they were thinking there. So yeah, we got a lot to look forward, a lot to look forward to. I mean, we got a fantastic wide receiving core. We got a good running back, at least one. I mean, Andre Ellington, he he's not just a body. I mean, he's pretty good. And Peyton Barber, I think, is really good. And now we have a coach that's going to use them to their capacity, and we have a good defense. I've been saying this. Our secondary did not play that bad last year. You can't you can't look at the game film and judge them based on that because they were under horrible conditions. I mean, they, Mike Smith, I think Mike Smith phoned it in last year. I don't think he gave these guys any direction. If you watch Justin Evans in that Chicago game, that guy was totally lost out there. He didn't know what was going on. He was running around the field like a chicken with his head cut off. And you saw that quite a bit, you know, first part of the season – there were there were receivers in the opposing team that were wide open all the time. Our guys just didn't know what to do out there. I think that was coaching. So you can't really judge our secondary from last year's film. But what I saw towards the end of the year, they were pretty good. I mean, they were they were shutting receivers down. And then we have our safeties, Whitehead. He's a beast out there. I mean, he he's like a missile. We're gonna have VH three back, Vita Vea. My gosh, I can't talk. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I, I can't go a podcast without talking about how great <laughs> he is. I'm telling you, this guy's going to be elite. He is going to be talked about in the same breath that Reggie White, Peppers, Warren Sapp, all those guys. He's that good. We got him on the line. Hopefully, we'll have JPP back. Maybe we'll have Jerry McCoy back. We've got Nassib. We've got Devin White. We've got Levante Dave. I mean, I'm telling you, we are stacked. And we've got a coaching staff now that is going to use these guys appropriately. And he's going to put a mentality in their head of win, attack, be fierce. And if they're telling them, here's what you do well, you're very good at this, let's let you do that as much as possible, rather than you're not catching the ball so well, Rojo. So you really need to work on that and think about that. Yeah, let's focus on your faults. Let's focus on your faults and try to get better there. No, they're not. And even Todd McNair in his press conference talked about that with Rojo. He said, I don't want to make it an issue. I don't want to get him thinking about it because then it just gets in his head. If you shine a light on it, that's all anyone's ever going to see. I don't let people talk to him about it. I don't talk to him about it. I don't let the, his teammates bring it up. He's going to work through it on his own, and that's it. Man, I am so excited about this coaching staff. It's like all the things we've always wanted. Accountability, uh, the positivity. Yeah. You know, focus on the positive. Right. This so, winning, they, they're, they're wanting to bring a winning mentality to this franchise. I didn't get to finish my thought. You're just too excited. I'm like bouncing her up and down <laughs> over here. But look, if you focus on their faults and say, this is what you need to fix... The bar is set at where their faults are. Yes, very right? low. Very low. So if you say, this is what you do well, and let's do that, and then do better, that's the whole bright spots mentality. Right. That bar is set that high. Focus on the positive. I mean, even in our your own personal life, and here we go, we're, we're getting way up on our soapbox, talking all kinds of philosophy and self-help crap and everything. But even in your own personal life, you could spend the rest of your life trying to become a, I don't know, let's say... A prominent musician. You've never had any music lessons in your life. You don't know a middle C from the letter five. So you could spend the rest of your life trying to be a prominent musician. Or you could look, sit down and analyze and think about what is it I am good at? You know, are you an avid reader? Are you well working with people, talking with people? Are you sociable? Are you good at games or whatever? And then focus on that and you will have a much more successful life. I guarantee you right now, if you sat down and you study to be a successful musician, it'll never happen. But if you sit down and you start 
from what you're good at, you are much more likely to be successful. That's a really good analogy. Thank you. (laughs) So I like that we're focusing on the positivity and I think that's part of the culture change that we've needed for a very long time. I think it'll take a, a little bit of time for the fan base and the media to catch up. I don't know if there's any help for the media, to be honest. I don't know. The I fan think, base will get there. I think the media is so entrenched in negativity. I mean, look, Rick Stroud has been here since, what, 1840? <laughs> He has, he has How many seen, winning seasons has he right. actually seen? Yeah, he's only seen like uh, uh, 10, maybe? Good Lord. And I feel so bad for Buccaneer fans like yourself, Molly, who never got to experience the Dungy era. It was glorious. It was it was wonderful. And I want to get back to that. I want to get back to where when we go out on the field, teams are scared to play us. I want to get to where when I'm talking to other NFL fans and they say, oh, we're playing you this week. That sucks. They used to, man. They would just, people would hate to play the Buccaneers for a number of reasons. One, because they were most likely going to lose. And two, because they know a lot of their players were going to get carted off the damn field. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get back to those days. And I think, I think Bruce Arians can get us there. But we got to get all the negativity out of the locker room. We got to get negativity out of the fan base. You know, let this guy work, man. Let these, let these players evolve into this new culture. Yeah, and we gotta buy in too. I know it's hard. It's everybody's gotta get pom poms. I know. And rah, rah. <laughs> you know, we've all been burned before. Buying in, oh, yeah. and it's the same hey, crap. This is what off season's all about. Hope, hope. But I do think this is different this year. I think we're lined up. We've got the pieces, and we've got now. We've got the the checkmate coaching staff. It's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun watching Bruce Arians go up against Sean Payton. It has been so long since I've had a coach that I felt confident in. Bruce Arians, I have confidence in that he can go. I mean, these guys play chess out there. He can go to toe to toe with Sean Payton. No um, yeah. doubt about it. I and I, I think, feel like he could be better than Sean. Payton. Oh yeah, definitely. Psychologically, he's gonna mess with Sean Payton a lot because Sean Payton's quick to get angry and upset. He's a little and moody. emotional. Yeah, and so you know. Bruce Arians is going to say stuff and do stuff. And it, it reminded me of when uh, Cutter and Sean Payton went to do the handshake. And Sean Payton, like, pulled him in and started hitting him really aggressively on the back and all that. And Cutter just kind of took it. I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't going to happen with Bruce Arians. No. Bruce Arians will pull out a beer bottle and hit him beside the head. <laughs> you think there will be any Buccaneers players helping up the opposing team? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Arians is a fan of that kind of stuff or not. Right. Because, you know, he doesn't really talk about, you know, toughness and smash mouth and all that stuff yeah. that much. And be a mean. Yeah, it's not like his number one point. I mean, he kind of throws it in there every now and then, but right. it's not his focus. That's true. So I don't think he'll have an issue with players as long as you do your job. I mean, if you're picking up players off the field that somebody else knocked down... I think Bruce Aarons might say something to you then. Or you're helping up other players and your quarterback's still on the ground. Yes, things like that. That might be a problem. Or helping up a player while you, one of your players is laying down right next to him. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be a fantastic season. I am so excited to get this going. I'm excited to see what goes on with the rookie minicamp yeah. this weekend. We're going to get a lot of information from them. So Monday's podcast, we'll have some minicamp information from you from the rookies. Give you our analysis, probably do some more soapbox and psychological analysis, <laughs> like we're so qualified to do here. Uh, Molly's pretty much wrapped up the coach's interviews. Are you going to do any more? Yeah, maybe. 
we've got the we're really excited about doing the debate thing because me and her debate all the time about stuff. So we're just, Ralph's pretty much better than me at everything, but I can hold my own in a debate with him. Yes, we have some very good debates. So we were thinking about that, and we said, hey, why not let everybody else listen to us argue? Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows how much fun it is to hear spouses bickering. Spouses <laughs> so we're going to get that up. Hopefully we're going to have the first series out. When are you thinking? You think by Monday? Yeah, I hope so. Okay. So by Monday we're going to have the first series. Are we doing the ping pong table? Are we doing Jerry McCoy? Which one are we doing? I want to do both because you've already got the ping pong table pretty much done. I just have to write mine. Okay. So we'll have both or one done. We don't know which one yet. So keep an eye out for that. I think it's going to be an interesting series. Uh, it's going to be a pros and cons. You're going to get both sides of the story. We're flipping coins to see which position we're going to take on the topic. So it may not necessarily be a point that we agree with, but we're arguing that point nonetheless. Just like an official debate, except for all the other rules we're not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and we might let you vote. On who the winner is. Yeah, we're going to set up something like that. that. Do it on Twitter we or do a Twitter poll. website. Yeah, it's going to be me. I mean, you know, we, 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 get, we need to be on Twitter more. We just don't tweet a whole lot. We start doing that. Anyhow, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com. You can send Ralph some climate change research to ralph <laughs> at buccaneersobserver.com. We're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. And we got a website, BuccaneersObserver.com. Until next time. Go Bucks.